I wonder if I asked you to consider giving me a word to describe, in a word, one word, describe the time, the day in which we live, what would you say? I heard it, what was it? Chaos. Chaos. Did I hear confused? Is that, okay. Chaos, confused. It's hard to put it into one word, isn't it, Wes? <laughs> yeah. Hurting? Hopeless? Strife? I heard a, a deterioration, but I heard a woman's voice, too. Lost, thank you. Thank you. Deaf, <laughs> thank you. Lost, strife, deterioration. Discouraged, discouragement. Blessed. Earth? Hurt. Hurt. I am deaf. I'm sorry. Hurt. One word. Sorrow. Deceit. Misled. Fear. Separation. Pain. <laughs> Not going to go there. What's going on? What is going on? I, I'm old, so in 1971, some of you will remember this, some of, many of you, you guys will have no clue what I'm talking about. But in 1971, uh, an artist named Marvin Gaye came out, uh, wrote, and with some other guys, and sang a song called, What's Going On? What's Going On? It was 1971, and what was going on is the Vietnam War that started in the mid-50s, 55, I think, to 75, this 20-year conflict, and Nobody, nobody trusted the government. The government was saying all kinds of different things, and one day it'd be this, you have to do that, one day you have to do this, and sound familiar? And there was just, there was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And this question was being asked, what's going on in our world? We prayed this morning. Melinda led us in prayer. Today is a Sunday that we set aside for specifically praying about the sanctity of human life and the verse she quoted as well as the verse in, in the verses in Psalm 139 God makes it very clear that he is present and sovereign and moving from the moment of conception shaping us forming us in the womb and we have value to him and yet as a as a culture as a nation as a state we're adamant that it's a, it's about rights about somebody's right to what they do or don't do with their body. I was watching the news last night and they were kind of talking about what's happening with the Supreme Court and this, just this conversation. And I found myself saying, what, what is going on? What is going on? When we really just think about the choices that we're making and the way that we're treating each other and the, 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 the events, the moments, the, the threads of our story that is playing out in, in humanity in our world, in our country, and for us in California, there's some unique threads even in here. What is going on? In that song, Marvin Gaye talks, he says, mother, mother, and father, father, and brother, brother, and he, he talks about the conflict and how we're treating each other, and what is going on? Now, this is not a new question. 
It's not a new concept. I think there's always the danger that those who are living in certain or uncertain times or in crazy times, if we're not careful, we can get monovision and we think that this is about us and maybe this is the first time. In the beginning of 2020, we started using the word unprecedented. Do you remember that? Leaders were, it's unprecedented, it's unprecedented. Yeah, things were unprecedented in our lifetime, but they certainly weren't unprecedented in human history. See, this is not a new question. This is not a new thing that we have to deal with, and it's not a new thing that those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, those who claim to be followers or disciples of Jesus Christ, this is not a new thing. 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, Peter said this, and if you have your Bible, open it up to 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, Dear friends, I urge you, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. And I urge you to conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, among the, the nations of this world, so that in, in a case where they speak against you, and they say that you're crazy or you're dumb or you're old-fashioned or you're out of touch or whatever it is that they throw at you as a believer, as a disciple, they speak against you as those who do what is evil. They will, in fact, by observing how you live, observing your life, your good works, they will actually glorify God on the day of visitation. Here's the title of the message. We are strangers living in a strange place. We're strangers living in a strange place. Go back to me with me to verse 11. I urge you as strangers, it literally means you're not a citizen. You're not a citizen of where you are. Paul will tell us that our citizen is actually where? In heaven. When we, we put our faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit does this new creation and we're forgiven and we're made new and we're adopted into God's family, we are given, it's okay, citizenship in heaven. Jesus said it this way in John 14. He says, I'm going away, and, I'm, 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 and I always picture him being very excited when he says this. I can't prove it. But he's very excited going, I am, where's Dave? I am, he's not flipping a house, but I am building a, a, a residence. I'm building a place for you because I'm building you a home. And your citizenship is in heaven, so I want you to have a place to live when you're with me for eternity. That's my home. I have a home here, I have, a, I have an address where I live, but this is not my home. In fact, Peter says, Kurt, you're, you're not a citizen of where you live, and it, could, it would be true of California, the United States, Africa, Mexico, anywhere, any continent, any country, any nation. As a follower of Jesus, he says, I urge you as strangers, the truth is, the reality is, the way you need to think, the way you need to see yourself when you look in the mirror is that you're not a citizen here. And that's important because that's why it feels crazy sometimes. When you're watching things, you're, you're observing what people are doing, you're watching the news, even sometimes our own thinking and our own reactions to things. You ever had that where you react to something and think, where did that come from? Why am I so upset or why whatever? I don't belong here. I'm a stranger. And then he says you're temporary residents. And it literally, in the, Greek, the meaning of the word he chooses is that you're a foreigner you're literally living in a strange place. The idea of a foreigner being, right now we have, we have people coming from Afghanistan to Sacramento. We've had 
Um, a good number come, and we've probably got, I was um, talking to our county supervisor, and he said, we probably have about 3,000 more coming to Sacramento. And there's two groups of the people coming from Afghanistan. The first group are those that cooperated and, and worked with the U.S. military. They typically speak English. There's a lot of federal help and funding to help them get established in this strange place. The second group coming from Afghanistan likely don't speak English. They, they are fleeing because their lives were in danger and they're coming here and they know nothing about us. They don't know how to drive. They don't know how to, what, what it looks like to go shop for food. They don't know how to even apply for a job. They don't speak the language. They are strangers in a strange place. And if you think that's, that's over the top, consider what it would be like to come from another culture and step into this culture and be expected to know how to survive. It's a strange place. Nothing makes sense. He says, you are strangers and you're temporary residents. You're living in a strange place. And in this strange place, let me remind you of something. This is, not, again, not a new concept, but let me remind you that you need to abstain. You need to keep away. Literally, you need to stay away from fleshly desires. That war, they battle against you. See, part of the strangeness of me, part of my strangeness, I'll just own that if you need to laugh, now's a good time. My, part of my strangeness in this strange place is that I live in this broken flesh. And there's not a day that goes by that I'm not reminded that this flesh is attracted to harmful things, to destructive things. You, you with me? From lust to pride to anger, to selfishness. I can go from zero to 60 like that in my thoughts, in my choices, in my actions. What's going on? This new creation that God has made in me is now currently housed in a strange place, in a, in a body of flesh that doesn't match up with the Spirit of God or with God's creation to me. You with me? Galatians 5, the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit, do they, do they line up? Do they line up? Do you, know, do you know Galatians 5? If you don't, open it up right now, and I mean that. Open it up right now and read it. The works of the flesh, about the middle of the chapter, and then verse 22, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. They're at odds with each other. They're at conflict. Every day that I'm on, in, on this earth, <clears throat> breathing in this body, there's a battle going on. I'm a strange person, Peter says, living in a strange place, and there are desires in me that are drawn to and want to act on what's taking place, what is normal, what is accepted in the world that I live in. And he says, let me remind you, you need to stay away from them. You're a stranger, you're an alien, you're, a, you're living in a strange place. Stay away from these things that will war against you. Literally, they'll cause a battle inside of you. Do you know what that means? I want, I want to see hands if you know what that means. This battle, okay, good. This battle that takes place in us. The, you know, sometimes we've seen it portrayed as the little, two little people right here. Right? You know, the little angel and the little, the little demon. And the angel's like, oh, you, you shouldn't do that. You know, that will hurt people. Oh, come on, you know, you deserve it. Am I crazy? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Paul describes it, this battle, there's this war. Every day that I wake up, there's this war going on. What is going on? This is so crazy. Stay away from these things. 
conduct yourselves. He says on a positive direction, he says, conduct yourselves honorably, beautifully, genuinely, with purity, literally having control over your actions. Conduct yourselves with self-control. In fact, we could easily insert here, conduct yourselves with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. Self-control is the last one. There's two that I'm missing. Faithfulness and goodness or gentleness, yes. Good job. Come on. Was that Crystal? Come on up here. Come help me teach. No? Okay, good. Who was it? Jenny, you want to come up? Okay. Just, I just want to give you a chance. That was good. Conduct yourselves honorably, beautifully, genuinely, purely with control. And do it among the Gentiles. Do it among the people that you're living. So that in these moments, these cases where they speak against you, when you speak up or you live out your, your, your conviction that life in the womb is exactly that. It's life. Now, don't do, it, don't do it by beating people up. Don't do it. But when you do it in the fruit of the Spirit, but you make that known, do you get pushback? Yeah, we do. When, when we say different things morally about relationships and what marriage is and how we're to treat each other, particularly in the arena right now, at least currently, of sexuality, and you say, well, this is my, my conviction. This is what I believe God intends. Is there pushback? Yeah. If you're at the workplace and, and the, the climate is, you know, of course everybody lies and of course everybody, you know, fudges their time clock or whatever it might be. Or of course people take things home and it's not, whatever it might be. But you're in a workplace where that happens and, and you don't live that way. You don't work that way. Can there be pushback? Yeah. You don't participate in the conversations that are not honoring to God. Is there pushback? Can there even be pushback that you're getting up on Sunday mornings and driving away and your neighbor's like, what are you doing? Dude, today's football. Why would you? In the case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, meaning their intent, their motive is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. The day, literally, of inspection. The day of the Lord when God comes back and he settles all accounts. Peter calls us strange people or strangers in a strange place. Let me, let me, let me summarize these couple of verses, in, in at least in my own thinking, and it's this. This isn't, this isn't home, but it is where we live. This isn't home, but it is where we live. Do you, do you, do you hear the balance in that statement that we're striving for? And we're going to unpack it a little bit. This isn't home. If you don't feel at home, good. In fact, let me, let me, let me throw these, these challenges out to you. Number one, don't settle down and make this your home. Peter says don't get comfortable with these, these fleshly desires. Don't get comfortable with giving in to the flesh. Is that possible for a follower of Jesus? It is. We justify, we explain, we do all kinds of things. And we get comfortable with these patterns, these thoughts, these actions the way that we treat each other. We see other people, we see the majority, if you will, or a culture moving in a direction, and we get pulled into that direction, and we get comfortable with it. I got a couple of grandkids, the older ones, that are really into, and I was talking to somebody this morning, what are you doing on your phone? 
you know, Dude Perfect and, you know, these different channels. I don't know, I think they're YouTube channels maybe, where pranks and things like that. And some of them are pretty cool. But I was watching one the other day with one of my grandkids, and, and it was all about pranks that they're pulling on people. And they kept saying, nobody gets hurt, nobody gets hurt. But people were getting hurt emotionally and relationally and embarrassed and, and ha, 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 because someone else is embarrassed. You know, that's a thing in our culture. That's a, we're putting people down, bullying people, making fun of people on social media. These are things that become a part of our culture. God protect us and God forgive us when we get comfortable with these things. And this feel, when it no longer feels crazy and it feels normal, or it feels like, eh, that's what it's gonna be, that's what it is. See, Peter is telling us, this is not your home. It is where you live. It is where you have to live out your faith in Jesus Christ. But don't settle down and make this your home. I was reading Jeremiah 29 this week, and, and many of you know that Jeremiah 29, 11 has been my life verse since, since, the, since the 80s, <laughs> early 80s. And this, this idea of God saying to the people that had been carried away, they had 300 years of rebellion, and finally God said, that's it. And he allowed Babylon to conquer them and carry away a lot died, a lot of destruction, and a big group was then carried off into exile, and they find themselves in Babylon. And their, their prophets, those who were say we speak for God, were saying, hey, don't worry about it, hang on, God's going to take us back, because God made promises to us, and he's going to take us back to Jerusalem, he's going to take us back, take us back. So just, get, just hold on. And God reaches out to, speaks to Jeremiah, and he says, Jeremiah, those messages aren't for me, I want you to go to the people and tell them, I have plans for you, and they're good plans and it's to give you a future. But you're gonna be there for 70 years. You're gonna be there for 70 years in that strange place. And then you know what he says next? He says, this is not your home, but this is where you're gonna live for 70 years. Do you realize that 70 years, according to God's word, is a lifetime, right? 70 years, some with strength will have 80. But that's, those, are, those are the days of a human being. God says, you're gonna be there 70, you're gonna be there a lifetime. Well, what should we do? Build houses, start businesses, give your sons and daughters in marriage, build your families. This is not your home, but this is where I'm calling you to live. Don't settle down and get comfortable. Number two, don't forget, never forget that this is hostile territory. Satan is the prince of, of the power of this, of this realm in which we live. God's sovereignty, he sits on the throne. Satan answers to him, but God has chosen to give him some, some territory. He's trying to take more, isn't he? Never forget that this is hostile territory. Why is that important? Well, according to Peter, it's important because I need to remember every day that I get up that I live in a world that is screaming at my flesh to go along with whatever it is. Give into it, accept it, embrace it, it's good. You with me? Every day, the moment I turn on the television, listen to the radio, I walk into, in my house even, everywhere I go. This is hostile territory. The voices that we hear from the world in which we live are not for our good. There's only one voice that is for your good and my good, and that is the word of God. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the truth of his word. God's voice. He speaks other ways as well, but it's God's voice is the only voice that is speaking to our good. Never forget, my flesh 
is hostile towards devotion to God. That's hard for me to say, but that's the truth. I want to have devotions every day. I want to have a Bible time. I want to, I want to pray. Jeff challenges us. I want to pray without ceasing. I want to be a holy man. I want to be a pure man. I want to be a selfless man. I want to love my wife like Christ loves the church. There, the Spirit of God is constantly in me, speaking to me through his word and reminding me of what he wants me to be, and I want to be that. Every day, I can say this sincerely, every day I have that, that it may be fleeting sometimes, but I, that's what I want to be, but this flesh is constantly drawn to things that are hostile destructive to my devotion to God. My flesh betrays me. Paul says it's like the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I don't do, and oh, what a, what a miserable man I am. What's the answer, Paul? Jesus Christ and his work in me by the Spirit of God. Never forget this is hostile territory. My flesh, our flesh is hostile to devotion to God, and the flip side of that is true too. My culture is hostile to the beauty and purity of truth. The culture, not don't don't we we do this all the time. We want to pin it on people. People are not the enemy. Satan is the enemy, and he's very good at working in nations, working in cultures to try to pull people away, to blind people to the truth of God's love for them. My culture is hostile to the beauty and the purity of truth, of God's truth. Number three, keep living for the day of his visitation. In a, in a little bit, we're gonna, and if you didn't grab these and you wanna grab one for a little bit later, now's the time to pretend you're going to the bathroom and go get one. Every time we do this, we proclaim his death until he comes. Peter says, keep your eyes, keep your minds, with, with, keep your thoughts with that in mind. Observing these good works that you're doing, the people will glorify God. And when will that happen? They'll happen on this day of visitation, this day of judgment, this day of settling. Every eye, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Do you believe that? Now don't say them out loud, but some of you said some names earlier and there's some names that we have in our minds that, oh, that person or those people, and we're guilty of judging them, God says, everybody will. Everybody will give glory to God. Everybody will bend the knee. Every tongue will confess. It doesn't mean they'll all embrace it, but they will have to acknowledge that God is God, that Jesus is God. And this day is coming, and I, I'm as guilty as maybe anybody in this room of getting caught up in the daily craziness of life and forgetting that the day of visitation, the day of the Lord's return, is fixed on a calendar in heaven. You with me? I don't know what it looks like. I doubt God has an iPhone, and I don't think he has one of those whiteboards like we have with the, with the, the dates on it. But there's a moment fixed in heaven when the Father turns to the Son and says, go. And these events begin to unfold. So that's, that's Peter's challenge. So what do we do with that? How do, how do I as a stranger live in a strange place? He gets practical in verses 13 and following, and I invite you to join me back in, in second, 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, you submit to every... Uh, this, this is going to be hard. You ready for this? Shell's already smiling. He's reading ahead. Submit. How many like that word, submit? 
Okay, you don't know what that, if you don't know what that word means, how about the word yield? Who likes the word yield? Okay, we need it, we need it. Okay, thank you, Ben. A little moment of honesty here. When you're getting on the freeway on that on-ramp, how many hate the red lights on the on-ramp? Okay, me too. Especially the one at, at green, uh, yeah, Greenback. Because you have this long, and then the light turns red. And, you gotta, and then there's always somebody in the carpool lane by themselves running the, you know. Okay, there's my flesh. There's my flesh. There's a sign there that says yield. What is yield? Let me define yield for us in, 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 a current, in the current day. It means floor it and get, go as hard as you can so that you get in front of those people that are in that lane trying to keep you out of getting into the lane. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, good. We've settled that. No, you, it's the opposite, right? Is that hard for anybody besides me? Is it, do you not have that little thing that goes, <clears throat> you know, I can do this, I can do this. And we do that in life. Peter says, Here, okay, let me, let me touch on something that's very real in their day. It's very real in our day. Submit to every human authority. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, because of your relationship with the Lord, who he is, who you know him to be. He just mentioned the day of visitation. Isn't that context? That's context for us. Because the Lord... Whether it's to the emperor, in our case it would be the president, as the supreme authority, you ready for this? Or to the governor. Don't laugh out loud. Don't it? Because this is real. It was real for them, it's real for us. Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, to governors as they sent, are sent out by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do what is good. You know what's hard about this? In crazy times when good is evil and evil is good, and leaders, and I'm not speaking of any specific leader, just leadership, when we are asked to submit to leadership, and it can be in the home, it can be in the church, it can be at work, it can be to authorities of, of, of enforcement of law, it can obviously be on all these levels, state, local, government, national. When we're asked to submit to authority, and you say, why? Well, because their job by God's, God's sovereignty is that they're to punish who do what evil, and they praise those who do what good. But what happens if they get that mixed up? What if they're calling evil good and calling good evil? Oh, then we don't have to submit to. Yeah. Do you think Peter understood what it was like to live under an evil leader? Have you heard of the Roman emperors? Have you heard of the Pharisees? Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether it's the emperor as the supreme authority, to governors, those sent out by him, to punish those who do what is evil and praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will. It is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. How do I respond, how do I submit to leadership that isn't in alignment with God? It's God's will that I do what's good, I do what's right, I do what is true. Sorry you came this morning? Good. He goes on, as God's slaves, 
and he uses the word for slave, doulos, not, not a servant, not an indentured servant, a slave. As God's slaves live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. I think he's referring back to what he already said about giving in to the flesh and giving in to the desires. Don't get yourself back and trapped to sin. You've been set free from that. Yes, as God's slave. God is my, Jesus is my master. He's my king, my savior, my friend, but he is my master. When he says jump, I say how high? Because he's my master. But in my servitude to him, my slavery to him as a master, he actually provides me freedom from sin and death and the chains that come with those choices of the flesh. So live as free people. Don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil, hypocrisy. I say I'm one thing and I do another. Instead, honor, and literally means place a high value on who? What does your Bible say? What does it say up there? We didn't want to say it. Nobody wanted to say that. (laughs) Place a high value on everyone. Some of you, some of us, after everyone, just write that down. Place a high value on everyone. Make a blank behind it. And then put in somebody's name. Or put in a group of people that are characterized by certain choices or behavior or government, authority, whatever. Place a high value on everyone. Why? Because God does. Do we believe God puts high value on, on the baby in the womb? Come on now, I'm asking you to respond. Do we, do we believe that God places a high value on that baby forming in the womb? What if they turn out to be somebody really messed up and hurt other people? Does he place high value on that life, that developing life in the womb? Yes, he does. Does he place a high value on every one of us? Yes, he does. Does he place high value on every human being that he's chosen to create and breathe life into? Yes. It's not dependent on their behavior, their choices, is it? No, it's called grace. If you and I are a part of his family, it's because of his grace. Place a high value on everyone. Love the brotherhood, the family of God. Fear means have a deep, profound, life-changing respect for God. Honor the emperor. Same word. Place a high value on the president. Place a high value on leaders. Household slaves, different word. Domestic servants, those that are serving in a household. It might be they're working off debt. They might be, it might be a job that they've, they've chosen or maybe life circumstances. They didn't want that job, but that's the job they've taken. They're serving in a household, and there were many of them, many of them in, in, uh, in, in uh, Peter's day, and there are many, many people in our culture today that are, that are just substance living. They're just day to day. Right? You with me still? Place a high value on them. To people in that situation, submit. Same word, submit. With all fear, same word as towards God. To your masters, your bosses, those who have this power, this control over your life. Not only to the good and gentle, because there are some, but also to the cruel. 
because they are cruel, they are perverse, wicked, unfair. For it brings favor, it brings grace, if, mindful of God's will, if you are aware of the things that we've just been talking about, Peter says, who you are, who he is, and our relationship to him. And remember, he said it emphatically, it's God's will that you silent foolish people, because they're wrong, with good works. So keep this in mind. If you're thinking of this, it brings grace into your life. It brings God's favor into your life. If you are thinking, you're mindful of God's will, and you endure sorrow, you endure grief, because you're suffering unjustly. Does that rub us hard? Americans, Californians, come on now, I got rights. I got unalienable rights. I'm governed by a constitution. You with me? Am I putting down our country? No, I'm not. I'm addressing our mindset that develops living in our country. And I have rights. And yet Peter says, you're going to endure grief and suffer unjustly, literally undeserved. So let me read that sentence again. It brings grace. It brings God's merciful kindness into your life. If you are mindful of God's will, you endure grief that comes from suffering that is undeserved. Who wants to take that sentence out of their text? <laughs> Let's just kind of, you know, jump. For what credit is there? What good? What glory, really? What glory is there if you are sinning, if you're giving into those fleshly desires, you're hurting people, you're selfish, you're using people for your own gain, and then you have consequences? You ever been in that moment where, and, and, and I'll, my time is almost gone, but I want to say this anyways. It's so irritating when other people get away with something that you get caught doing, Dave. Okay. You know, when you're the one pulled over, and the first words out of your mouth, what? There was like 10 cars that went faster than me. Why would? And I had this happen in the um, middle of Utah. And I said, really? There, I was in a group of cars, and I had a bunch of high school kids. I'm a youth pastor, and I'm speeding. And he pulls me over, and I had just gotten pulled over 10 minutes earlier. I got two tickets in 20 minutes. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I, I literally said, why, why me? And he said, well, you have California plates. Everyone else had Utah plates. Well, that's given a beat. And then he wrote me the ticket. Oh, how unfair is that? How unfair is it that I'm enduring unjust suffering? And what credit is it if I'm sinning, because I deserve the ticket. I was breaking the law. And you're punished. And you endure that. But when you do what is good, when you're living in God's will, you're living obediently to him, what he's already talked about, and then you suffer and you endure it, this is what brings God's grace, his favor, into your life. It brings grace with him into your life. It's literally God saying, Katie, good job. Good job. I'm on your side. I get it. Are you mad? Yeah, you're mad. You're, You're mad at me? Maybe a little bit? I get it, but I'm on your side, and I got my hand on this, and you're good. Isn't that good? In the midst of that, if I bring it on myself, let me, I got to wrap up. Let me throw out some things. How do we live in, in this time when just, man, what's going on? Number one, we submit to human authority with respect. We submit to human authority with respect. Number two, We silence false accusers with goodness. We silence those who falsely accused us with good works. 
And number three, we suffer undeserved trouble with hope. We suffer undeserved trouble with hope. Verse 21. Let me read these verses and I'll give you one thought and I'm done. And here's how I phrased it in my notes. But what do I do as a stranger when life gets even stranger? And I don't know about you, but the last year and a half, two years, it's like, okay, can't, I, I told somebody, I naively came into 2022 thinking it was going to be somewhat normal. Yeah, well, go ahead and laugh. I, that's all that I've been is laughed at. Just when I think it can't get any stranger or any more crazy or any more dark or any more painful, God says, okay, Kurt, here's what's next. Here's what you, your family, your church family, my bride, what I want you to walk through. What do I do when life gets stranger? Peter gives us, he points us to the example of Jesus Christ. He says, you were called to this. If you're struggling with everything that I've said or what you've read in, in the text up to here, and like, oh, I don't know, you know, really submit to all authority, and even when they're, oh, I don't know, there's got to be another verse somewhere that I can. If you're struggling with what he has said, listen to what he says. He's already said it's God's will. Now he says, as believers, he says, you're called to this. This is what God has designed for us. It's no mistake that we're living in 2022 in California. Is it? Now, he may lead you somewhere, listen to him, but it's no mistake we're where we are, when we are. That's all on, that's all on him. He's called us to this. He's, Peter says he's called you to this, and Peter's got street cred. Wouldn't you agree? I know you know we don't use that word anymore. Everybody's young's laughing, but we used to say, yeah, it's street cred. Peter knows what he's talking about. He says, you're called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. Do you realize that the symbol we use for Christianity is that? Yeah? What is that? Yeah. It's an instrument of suffering, really, ultimately death. But the Romans could kill people however they wanted. They choose something that would cause people to suffer. You're called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps, live life the way he did on this earth. He did not commit sin. He did not give in to fleshly desires. He recognized this is where he was walking and living, but it wasn't his home. He didn't give in to sin. He was tempted. He didn't give in to sin. And there was no deceit or guile found in anything that came out of his mouth. When he was reviled, when he was abused and reproached, he didn't give it back. He didn't revile and reproach and abuse, abuse back. You tracking with this? Can you identify moments in your own life where you did? I can. He never did it back in return. When he was suffering, he did not threaten. Oh, could Jesus have threatened? <laughs> Think about it. I could call 10,000 angels right now. Boom. Mic drop. It would have been the first mic drop. He did not threaten. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And then Peter gets very personal. Don't miss this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds. 
We benefit from his suffering. For you were like sheep going astray, wandering from the truth, doing your own thing. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. Can I summarize this in this way? Peter is saying, hold on to Jesus. If you're listening to this this morning and you're going, I don't like this. I didn't come to church for this. I need some answers for what to do in this crazy world. Because what's going on? It's nuts. And I feel like a stranger, so how to, tell me what to do. Hold on to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. See him, and I'll say this really quickly, and, and I promise I'm done. He suffered as a stranger in a strange place, John chapter 1, so that we would know what that looks like. He suffered to show us how to live in a strange place. We can model our lives after him. Everything he did and said. He suffered to set me free from sin and set me free to righteousness. He suffered to shepherd us. He suffered to save us. I'm waiting. I heard it whispered. I want to hear it loud. Thank you for not leaving me up here all by myself. I want to come to the Lord's table. Can we prepare for that? If you don't have these, I encourage you to get one of these. We sang a song this morning. We started with this song. I want to take you back there. I was buried beneath my shame. Who can carry that kind of weight? It was a tomb. My life was like in a tomb until I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was a tomb until I met you. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. My chains break, but chains break. My chains broke at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. But you call me a citizen of heaven. This is not my world, but this is where I'm living. When I was broken, you were my healing, and now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. My eyes are open, because when you called my name, I ran out of that grave. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, and when you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, I ran into your glorious day. I hope you're tracking with the Holy Spirit this morning. You can ignore me. But Peter is speaking into our lives. He's speaking into our hearts in the day in which we live today. And we are asking, what is going on? What in the world is happening in this world? What do we do? We hold on to Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. We follow him because he is our savior. And as we play this morning... We're not going to have prayer on the sides. We're going to take a couple more weeks, and in February we'll bring back prayer. And I apologize for that. We're just trying to be careful of all the sickness that's going around, and that's why we're doing this this morning. We're not asking you to move. I'm asking you just right where you are. Hear the words of Jesus when he told us, this, is, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. This cup is my blood, which is poured out for you. And you eat it, and you drink it, and you do it in remembrance of him. Because as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim his death until he comes. Will you do that? If you're a child of God, you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
the invitation is, is open for you and for me to take the couple, next couple of minutes and remember why Jesus suffered and commit yourself. Let's commit ourselves to follow in his footsteps. Amen? Amen. This is your moment with him. Let's meet with him.